Hi, this is Udo Dirkschneider, the singer of UDO, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hi, this is Graham Bonnet, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hi, this is Michael Schenker from Scorpion's UFO and his GM Temple of Rock. You're listening to Iron City Rocks. Welcome to episode 368 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing you the best rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues talk on the net. Episode 368, we're joined uh, once again uh, by the legendary Michael Schenker, who has got a really cool new album out, Michael Schenker Fest, uh, is the band uh, name, and, and this is basically... Michael, along with all of the voices of the Michael Schenker group over the years, uh, and they're going to be doing a tour stop uh, March 7th in the uh, Carnegie Library of Homestead down in Munhall, Pennsylvania, right outside of Pittsburgh. Uh, you're going to get to see all of the uh, the vocalists from the Michael Schenker group on stage with him that night doing uh, the classics as well as some of the new material from the new album. So, without further ado, we're going to get into that interview with Open Michael Schenker. Turn the page, take a look, find the truth right between the lines. Read the story and one, how it all just begun. Well, admit, it's one of a kind. Give him protection with love and affection, standing with honor and pride. Every now, every then, we'll be always the same Born to follow, walk a fine
welcome to Iron City Rocks. We have the legendary Michael Shanker on the line. How are you doing today, Michael? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing very, very well. I'm excited to get a chance to talk to you about uh, a new album, a new studio album with the Michael Shanker Fest, Resurrection, which is coming out uh, March 2nd here in the U.S. Um, and, and you've got kind of all of the, the MSG singers uh, together in one place, as well as Doogie from uh, the Temple of Rock. Um, what was the experience like going into the studio with all these guys? I know you've done several of these live shows, but what was it like going back into the studio? Well, it's like, uh, first of all, it was like, uh, you know, I, I first go into the studio and put down my music, and then, you know, it's like a procedure. By the time, you know, we're fortunate that uh, the, the song Warrior was like the second song I put on the table and Michael Frost because I always wanted to have at least one or two or three songs where everybody was singing together mm-hmm. uh, rather than just three songs each and make it a really clinical mm-hmm. and so Michael Frost came up with that great melody and, and lyrics for the song I wrote which was the second one which became Warrior and uh, ah, I was so happy uh, I said Michael this is fantastic this is so fantastic for all the singers to sing and uh, so basically, we that was like uh, we were um, at that point we were all together in in, in Germany, and we went to uh, Stuttgart into a recording studio, and that's where we did um, that's when Nuclear Blast came and and did most of the pictures and we did the footage and uh, the recording for for Warrior. And, uh, and 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 basically completed it there uh, uh, among some other songs, but most the most of the most of the songs were recorded in Michael Foster's uh, co-producer uh, studio, and so basically you know we had very very uh, a variety of ways of recording like like we finished Warrior and some other stuff in in Stuttgart. Uh, in, in the studio, most of the stuff was done in, in, in Michael Sha- uh, Michael Foster's recording studio in Münster. Um, we did all of Doogie's vocals there. We did Gary Baden's vocals there. We did Gary and Doogie doing uh, backing vocals, uh, including myself, anchors away. And so we did uh, a, a bunch of different combinations of back- backing vocals. Uh, you know, swapping people around and stuff like that. So it became like uh, an additional unexpected uh, colorful uh, experience and uh, and then of course the stuff that we didn't complete I did all my guitars in Michael's uh, studio and then uh, in Fossil's and um, then there was a few things that were not completed uh, which was one was uh, Kirk Hammett guitar jam mm. and a couple of uh, uh, vocals of Robin and uh, and, uh, um, and Graham who live in Los Angeles so Michael Foss went over there and, and completed that over there and then um, Kirk Hammett he wanted to record in Hawaii in his own studio so his management paid for Michael Foss to fly over there and record him there they sent the picture back and then Michael uh, and Kirk looked like a 19-year-old teenager <laughs> with a big <laughs> smile, but he looked so young I couldn't believe it. I was, yeah. But uh, you know, and so we had very various other ideas, uh, but it didn't work out. But you know, um, um, and my, I, I, I always say no 
no guest, no fest. So we managed to have one guest, which was Kirk. Mm -hmm. uh, we wanted to get the guy from Ap Apocalyptica because we have this intro that uh, uh, it's like, uh, um, you know, shallows. And, and so they wanted to do it, but we were so focused on making this album putting this album together three months later we went ah what about the guys from Apocalyptica and then they were already over the hills so far away right. and Dee Snyder was another possibility he would he, he never was told by his manager but I bumped into him at the award in uh, in England and he said oh he would have been so honored to be part I had this part for him to sing that sounded so much like him he would have been perfect but uh, maybe next time but so basically um <laughs> it, it it it's it's very colorful. It's very colorful. The the be recording and uh, you know the, it it's not getting boring. Believe me, and and it comes in all sizes and and we have done it in all sorts of ways. And and um, you know it was not just one recording studio. Everybody come here and do it. It's just. Uh, we 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 took it as it came, as the availability. You know, sure. the people are available. The, the singer Gary lives in Bangkok. You know, the other two in Los Angeles, and then the the, the rhythm section lives in Scotland. Dougie lives in Scotland, and then Steve Mann in Hanover, and so and so. We we had to do a bit of juggling. You know, sure. But, uh, it all worked out. It was a lot of work, but it was much more fun than work. <laughs> yeah, and that's that. You can really feel that on your album. I mean, you've you've had many albums over the years but this one I think uh, uh, kind of stands you know at the front of the list when you listen to it it's, it's got a very uh, nice energy to it um, when, yeah when and, and the thing is it's not just an ordinary uh, record you know it's like uh, it's 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 not just one singer on there the hardcore fan for, for instance you know it, it's like it must be extremely entertaining for the hardcore fan to go like ah this is Doogie ah this is Graham yeah. and you know, there is an, an additional entertainment uh, factor that is part of it because it's not an, an, a usual album, you know. It's yeah. a, it, it, I, don't even, I don't even think it exists on this planet to have a, a rock band sing with four original singers on one, on one record. Yeah, it, <laughs> rem so. it reminded me, when, when I listened to, you know, the first time I saw Warriors, it reminded me sort of when, um, you remember back in the 80s when they did that uh, song Stars, with Dio and you know the charity thing where you sat and you picked out everyone's voices and that is fun as a fan oh that's Graham you know he, he's got such a distinct thing and, and Doogie's yeah. got a very different uh, sound to it it's fun to listen to yeah. you know what I mean? now yeah. when, you, when yeah. you write when you when you wrote the songs for these albums and you did the guitar parts do you concern yourself with vocal melodies or do you just kind of put the guitar you know write what you write for the guitar and then let the singers you know kind of work their melodies over top of that yeah yeah, always like that. I have done it since you have old days. I mean, since 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 I started writing, you know, mm -hmm. um, I write the music and I let the singer do their their thing. You know, I want them to, you know, to write their own lyrics to, so they can stand behind what they're singing for a start and and let them come up with their own. Of course, once in a while I come up with a melody. I did, I did the melody and the words for, um, um, time knows when it's time. And that's the song I wanted Dee Snyder to sing the chorus, but it mm. didn't work out. But uh, yeah, I just focus on on uh, on my on the music, and then the rest. You know, I I basically the point is, I know what I want, 
and I structure the song. I'm the architect of the music, and I structure mm -hmm. it in such a way. Uh, I put uh, guide uh, uh, drums down, guide bass, guide keyboards, and stuff, so that everybody knows, you know, roughly where the journey goes to. Sure. Because I don't believe in too many cooks, you know, and that's why I started my my own band when I left the Scorpions and uh, and 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 uh, UFO, you know, because I I you know. I, I, I wanted to do the things that I had in my in my veins in my head that needed to come out and experiment and stuff like that but that I mean okay that was my middle years but now you know having done all of my ex, uh, instrumental acoustic instrumentals electric instrumentals put everything out of my system so now I'm basically you know continue where I stopped when I was 23 years old uh, in 1978 when I finished The Strangers in the Night you know, I was able to to um, um, uh, experience success to in its highest uh, fame and success, and and so I was able to to make a, a fair decision to myself. Uh, with you know, like if I wanted to stay up there, or if that was enough, I, I know what it is like. I'm, there's nothing there I need. I don't miss any of that, and so and carry on a second chapter and and experiment with music, and that's how I created MSG. And then, of course, in the nineties, I completely disappeared uh, mm. and and built a recording studio and didn't hardly do any interviews. And I did anything you can imagine. I mean, somebody told me I've been on eighty albums, you know. And so yeah. I, I had my fair share of getting my system cleansed yeah. and everything everything out. And so now. And the most rewarding years were my middle years. Uh, you know, I learned the, the most of life in my middle years, and and that made it possible for me to even kick the stage fright. You know, in 2008, all of a sudden, I had the urge to be on stage. So I took that as a sign, and uh, and from there, there was no looking back. I developed in light speed, you know, all the way to this point. And uh, and the main thing was. Uh, this is celebration time. This is Michael Schenker Fest, most popular music of Michael Schenker, of, uh, of all of, of all my music, and I wanted this to be done with original singers, you know. Yeah. And um, it was not a master plan; it was just, uh, you know, a, 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 that was an idea, and uh, it just worked out that it all worked out. Yeah. Now, when you went through with the album, um, did you get involved in who sang what, or, or did you let Michael, producer Michael? Um, kind of settle that, or, or do the singers kind of naturally just take to different things? How did you kind of? Yeah, it's, we yeah we co-produced the album, mm -hmm. and so basically I make sure that the structure is down, that Michael knows exactly what I want, and I also told him that I didn't want like you know three songs each, and that's it. It would, it would right. have been too clinical. I wanted to have a couple of songs, three songs, where everybody would sing together. And Warrior. When I put that song on the table, and Michael uh, next day he said, "Michael, here, I, I uh, Michael Foss, uh, he looked Michael um, to me. And I have a melody and, and a lyrics." And I went like, "Smash, Michael! This is fantastic. This is perfect for everybody to sing." And that became Warrior. And you know, I must say, Michael Foss is co-producer, but he is a Michael Schenker fan, MSG fan. He's a Gary Barton fan. He's an '80s fan. He's a Graham Bonnet fan. So he is the best guy for the job, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, he had it down. I don't know, but he he was able to. I mean, that's why I work with him for the last, mm -hmm. you know, eight ten years because he understands. I mean, I just have to 
you know, he understands what I'm doing, and right. and 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 when I say something, he knows exactly what I'm talking about, and so he was the best man for the job, and uh, and because he 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 knows the psychology of of almost like for at each person, and right. and maybe that's why it worked out so well because he you know he secretly was actually writing under the table. You know, because I said to him, I want at least three songs where everybody's singing together. So I think that was his motivation to start secretly writing and figuring out melodies. And he said, ah, I've got something here. And then became Last Supper. So he did something similar. And somehow it worked out that the lines that he chose for the different singers, they were perfect for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I imagine it's quite a, you know, a juggling act. You know, when you've got that many different, you know, colors to paint with on a canvas you know you've got to be yeah. you know judicious in how you split that up now can you take a, take us through the michael Schenker fest i mean obviously you've got the dvd f folks can check out but what what exactly will people be seeing when, when they see you do this in the americas and the tour I mean, what kind of a, a yeah a set well this is a, this tour starts on the 6th of march and the album comes out of, on the on the 2nd of march uh michael schenker fest the, the title is resurrection and it's a studio album and so it's the first time that you guys in the states will be the first ones seeing it with three poor singers the last show we did in in uh, 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 last year in, in was in the UK um, with three singers and since then of course we have finished an album and I invited Doogie White from Michael Schenker's Temple of Rock as a fourth singer so now we have all the original singers singing their classics and uh, so basically it's a two, two and a half hour show and uh, it's classics, 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 uh, new stuff, instrumentals. I mean, it's 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 everything. It's everything for it's the most popular music of Michael Schenker um, with with original singers, you know. And so basically, also this year is uh, the uh, um, 40th anniversary, or this is it has been 40 years since I recorded "Strangers in the Night" with you all. So who knows? Maybe film mock pops up once in a while, <laughs> thinks a couple of years also with us. And, um, and that in, 19, in 2019, it's actually 50 years of a recording anniversary for Klaus Meiner and myself. That's when I wrote In Search of Peace of Mind uh, with Klaus. And uh, so maybe he's popping up and, uh, and uh, um, you know, and thinks with Michael Schenker Fest, then we can call it the ultimate Michael Schenker yeah, Fest. That, but that, now, this is the first time that we're showing up with four singers in the two and a half hour show and it's going to be a great show yeah it sounds fantastic and I know um, you know with you know for fans of the band you know sometimes it's hard you miss a tour you maybe didn't get to see you with Gary Barden or you didn't get to see Graham Bonnet uh, it's a wonderful opportunity to walk in the door and know you're going to get all the best by the guy who sang them you know as opposed to so many classic yeah. rock bands anymore they have phenomenal singers but they're not the original singer and that you know it does take away a little bit you know to hear journey yeah, without absolutely. without steve perry but you know this is michael Schenker with name the song you've got the guy singing it and that's that's fantastic yep. michael well we wish you all the best you're coming in you're starting the tour in silver springs uh and you're going to be doing a show in Munhall on the uh it's the ninth i'm sorry the 7th of march Seventh, yeah. and we'll uh see you when you get into town michael it's been a pleasure Great. Fantastic. Thank you so much. All right, again, a giant thank you to Michael Schenker. Again, the new album from Michael Schenker Fest, 
that album is called Resurrection is available actually by the time you hear this will be released on March 2nd so you can uh, get that at Amazon a really cool package uh, some really great stuff on there even a, a guest uh, appearance as he mentions by Kirk Hammond of Metallica so um, really worth checking out and as anybody knows you know Michael Schenker has influenced so many guitarists is worth giving his material a listen and got a boatload of great singers on that album so and again he's in uh, Pittsburgh on March 7th uh, doing a show at the Carnegie Library so no shortage of chances to check out Michael Schenker I'm going to turn our attention now to a young band uh, called Household who will be coming in to do a show in Pittsburgh at Mr. Small's uh, they're going to be doing a show on the 13th at the Mr. Small's Theater. They'll be opening for Senses Fail. Uh, Household uh, have a brand new album. It was just released on February 23rd called Everything at River Should Be. So we're going to play you a little bit of that. And then we're going to get into an interview with uh, vocalist and now bassist uh, Joshua Gilbert. So I hope you enjoy this. I'm just trying to see started something so beautiful could end in forgetfulness We have on the line Josh from the band Household. How are you doing today, Josh? I'm doing pretty great. How are you? Really, really well. Um, first off, congratulations on the release of Everything a River Should Be. Um, it's been out now, what has it been, four days? Something like that. Um, yeah. Can yep. you talk a little bit about you know going in and doing you know the full length at this point in your career? Yeah, so we we actually recorded this one over a year ago in Atlanta, and it was our second like full um, full length album. So we okay. spent a month in the record with Nate Washburn, and um, yeah, it was, it was a great process. Really enjoyed, it. especially with the, the transition, having more of the rock sound giving us that amount of time was, was definitely needed. I'm really happy for it. Yeah, now the songs you mentioned this was about a year ago. How how far back do some of the songs go for you guys? So with uh, our evolution of sound, we've actually changed quite a bit. And so some of these songs are, are quite old. I think we started writing, there's a single Dark Matter. That one was written like two and a half years ago. Okay. So it's, it's quite the process. We've been writing this record for over two years now. So. Cool. Now, one of the things I noticed with your band, um, you know, we get a lot of music uh, and listen to a lot of different stuff, but you've got some really interesting things going on vocally. Um, with different layers and, and tones and things like that. Can you talk about, you know, when you approach a song, how you decide, you know, one, that's going to kind of the tone you're going to sing in, but, you know, do you multi-track those, or, or what is the process for capturing some of that stuff? Yeah, that's a great question. We we did a, a few demo, like we, there was an was extensive demoing process for this record. We really spent a long time like crafting what the, the melodies and the harmonies would be even like before the studio. So um, 
being it was like the first time that I really sang the entire record and there was hardly like any yelling or screaming I really I really did enjoy the process mm -hmm. of writing different melodies and getting to select different parts like uh, the process was we had so much time so I really like wanted to craft it into something I was proud of so yeah the, the layers was just a choice that um, I don't know I, I've kind of been a fan of harmony for a while and right. like it, it just like kind of weird weird unnatural harmonies but trying to like make them work into more basic rock tones I think mm -hmm. that was like a, a fun thing to tackle this record well, Josh when you when you write those do you typically have like a scratch track of you know the guitar bass drums to kind of work your vocal melodies out or do you write the melodies and then you know try to look at what the guys have for the guitar and, and marry that up or how do you go about finding a you know a guitar yeah to go with it Yes, uh, I think for all of these we had, like I, I wrote the the bass for these records, so I would be playing with everyone, and we would have the song essentially finished musically, and then I I would demo it on my computer, just like rough demos, and I mm -hmm. would then go in and actually record my voice multiple takes. So it was like a you know a sample version of recording. So that's we have like demos with similar harmonies, and I really got to exercise all of those. Um, yeah all of the different types of harmonies and just trying out different things which was really fun for me I really enjoyed it yeah and it comes through I mean you've got some really really interesting you know layers textures and things like that when you listen to that now now the now here's where the you know the rubber meets the road you know you start this tour tonight with senses fail if I'm not mistaken um how yeah. do you go about you know tackling that live you know the you know what you've masterfully created on record mm -hmm. yeah it's a it's funny you ask that. This will be our first tour doing live harmony. So we've been practicing for a couple of weeks in Minnesota. And I think all, well, yeah, all three of the other dudes are going to be singing um, live. So it's, you know, it, it's it's fun. It's scary trying new things like that. We don't know, you know, exactly what these venues will sound like, what the modern system will be like. Mm -hmm. But we're trying to make it as true to the record as possible. And obviously with such a vocal and melody heavy record, it's not that easy. But I think... I'm pretty happy with what we've come up with as, as like a live projection of that. Yeah, and that's an interesting you mentioned, you know, doing those live. I'm assuming before you do with some tracks or things like that. And sometimes, you know, I think it goes a long way, you know, to the audience, even if a band doesn't sound spot on, you know, that it's, you know, there's three, four, five, however many people actually singing it, you know, adds some credibility. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's really cool. And it probably makes it a little bit easier to, you know, you don't have to play to a click track probably to do all that. Um, right. So as far yeah. as far as the shows, I mean, you guys are, uh, as I mentioned, with Census Fall. Do you guys have any idea of like how long of a set you're going to get? Or yep, we we got 25 minute slots for these shows, and we're going to fit. We're just going to do all new songs. So we're fitting in six songs just to kind of showcase the new record. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, like I said, we've been practicing in Minnesota for a while, so I feel pretty confident just in getting to to hang out with these bands and play these fun shows. Yeah, and that's got to be, you know, kind of, you figure 25 minutes, you've got to hit it like 100 miles an hour when you hit the stage. Is that is that tough for a band, you know, when you're doing, you know, really a pretty tight slot like that? You know, you're going to go in. Um, yeah, how do you make it so the energy is right there from note one? Or do you just let the adrenaline flow? You know, it, there's a lot of new things this tour. Uh, this will actually be my first tour playing bass and singing. We had some member changes, so now... I, I had just previously sang, but now I'm playing bass and 
that, you know, there's a lot of unknowns. It's kind of a, a vulnerable place to, to see how this tour will go. But we played a few, a few shows, like, on the way out here, and I'm pretty confident that um, we're happy with where our setup is right now. That's and right. as far as energy, I think it's, yeah, just crafting those songs. Uh, we, we feel confident in what we practice, and we're just ready to see go. how it's received. It's kind of, you know, yeah. Now, Josh, did you play bass on the record itself? Correct. I did. Yeah. Now, let, let me ask you this, because one of the things I noticed in addition, but, you know, usually people don't like to speak of it, is that the bass, bass is very pronounced in the mix. Um, was that some of your influences, you know, kind of, you want to hear my voice, you're going to hear my bass, or, or do you guys just have somebody who mixed it extraordinarily well? Sorry, are you talking about the live sound or with the record? Well, on the record itself, you know, like you can really feel the bass and, you know, hear it very well, oh, as opposed yeah. to some, you know, modern rock where the bass is so buried and compressed you can't yep. hear it. Um, was that a conscious decision as a band to really kind of bring it out to the forefront like that? Yeah, I think so. We, uh, coming from more of like our punk, in, uh, you know, our punk roots, that mm-hmm. just like crunchy, bright bass tone is a thing. And I think we wanted to make sure the bass was like really warm and really like was driving the sound. The engineer, Nate, um, yeah, he, he made that choice. And then uh, Matt Goldman mixed it so all all those decisions were just kind of as it grew we figured like a higher bass tone was you know louder bass in the record would just like help it still have like a heavy feel but but still like a slow rock vibe so yeah, yeah. what's nice is it really it kind of makes it stand out amongst you know some of your contemporary bands you don't hear the bass like that and you know that's one thing that i did take a notice of uh, was you know this is really out there that's really cool so you're going to be coming into Pittsburgh uh, with Census Fail as I mentioned you're going to be here on the 13th so I, I wish you all the best and we'll see when you get into Pittsburgh man great thank you so much appreciate it alright thank you to Joshua Gilbert of Household we're going to turn our attention now to a band out actually out of New York City uh, this is uh Dave Goddess group. Um, we're going to talk to Dave Goddess in just a moment. Uh, had a chance to listen to their latest EP called Last of the West Side Cowboys. Um, really a, a very interesting listen. You can find this um, sure on iTunes, etc. It's available now. Um, kind of takes you back to an era of rock and roll where uh, the songs were stories. And, and I think the songs on this EP really kind of weave together to to create some really cool visual images uh, and stories in your head Uh, so it really was a great listen and was glad to get a chance to talk to Dave so we're going to play you a little bit of Last of the West Side Cowboys from the Dave Goddess Group we're going to get into that interview with Dave Yeah. 
ladies and gentlemen, my pleasure to welcome to Iron City Rocks. We have on the line Dave Goddess of the Dave Goddess Group. How are you doing today, Dave? Fantastic. You? I'm doing very well. Um had an opportunity to listen to your uh, new EP, Last of the West Side Cowboys. Uh, really, really enjoyed the kind of authentic, I, I, I don't know if that's a, a fair term, but it's kind of the word that came to my mind when I listened to your music, uh, just kind of straight on rock. Um, can you talk yeah. a little bit about what went into putting the album together? Well, uh, yeah, sure. Uh, you know, I have, a, I have a band, so I knocked around for six or eight months writing the songs and uh you know then you take it into the process uh arranging them changing them moving them around and then of course it's the studio so uh you know it's, it's pretty standard stuff but uh sure can you i i, I guess possible? i just tried to i guess i was just trying to you know string together a bunch of songs that told told stories so if you say authentic then that certainly works for me yeah i mean that's one of the things i think that um kind of struck the chord with me was, you know, I, I listened to the album and the first thing I had to do was Google what were the West Side Cowboys because, you know, we, us in Western Pennsylvania had no idea, you know, kind of that yeah. interesting story. Um, yeah. But it reminded me uh, of, uh, say, an early Springsteen or a Tom Petty or, you know, some of those bands even that went into the early 80s, you know, the, the replacements of Smithereens. Um, yeah, sure. Well, well. When you started out, I mean, what was this the kind of music you've been playing your whole career or, you know, can you give people some background of what your music was like prior to this EP? Well, it was, you know, uh, pretty much the same stuff. I, like, I feel like I've always been doing it. I just, you know, I, I don't think about it too much. I don't have any plans. I don't have any, you know, I, I, I'm not making career moves here or thinking like, mm -hmm. what, do, what, what do I think will sell or what do people want to hear? or How can I fit in this niche? You know, I write, mm -hmm. I, I write about what I see and it comes out the way it comes out. So I don't, right. I mean, I don't, I don't think I'd be doing myself any, any service to do any more thinking about it than that. Yeah. That's a fair point. Um, now you're based out of New York city, correct? I live in New York now. I grew up in Pennsylvania. Okay. And I've been to Pittsburgh um, plenty of times. <laughs> yeah, I saw, like I um, said, you have um, quite a few dates in like Allentown and yeah. eastern parts of the That's, state. Um, I, I, I grew up there. Typically, play that New York area. Is that sort of? I, your... Yeah, yeah. And that New York and Penn. I, you know, my look. I grew up in Penn. I grew up in Allentown, so I have still have. Okay. Uh, you know, fans there, and and some of my band members live back there. So yeah, I play around there. So for for us, you know, obviously Pittsburgh and New York City are, are nothing like each other. Um, and we hear of, you know, the, a lot of musicians in Nashville these days. So it seems to be kind of the, the central drawing part across the United States. But what is the music scene like in New York City uh, these days? I don't really even, I don't, I don't know that there is a music scene in New York City. Um, the, you know, frankly... The uh, you know there's there's clubs to play but they're they're not curated there's no there's no like clubs that have a certain kind of music or that where you would go and mm -hmm. find the kind of music that's like I mean in the old days people would go to CBGBs or something if you like punk sure. music it would be all there and you wouldn't have to know who was playing there these days you know the clubs in New York they shuttle people in and out every every hour a different crowd comes in to watch their friends and then they they leave and then the, the new band comes in and they watch their friends. 
So uh, you probably got more of a scene in Pittsburgh than we have here. The, the, that might be saying a bit much, but yeah, I, I know what you mean. It does seem like I know I was had an opportunity to be in New York uh, in January and looking at you know listings for different clubs. It was kind of like it was a, kind of a mix, and it was almost like someone just shook it all up and dumped it out onto a stage. Yeah. Um, and, and you didn't know, other than you know, unless you found a place that was a jazz club. That was the one thing that kind right. of stuck out to me. Was the jazz club was pretty much jazz musicians. You can find that was, for sure. Yeah. Right. Every, yeah. That's just the way is, it is. Is it, uh, is it hard? And I, I wonder. You know, I listen to you, and I'm just going to think, okay, this is this is an album that, you know, this band were in, in a smaller city. You know, there would be quite a buzz about it. I think it's, it's very good quality. Is it harder in in somewhere like New York where there's so much? And you know, I mean, literally, I know in areas of town we were in, people were handing out CDs on the street. Uh, is it harder can, to make? You know, you've got certainly a bigger audience to draw from, but, you know, it's maybe harder to stand well, out. These days, I think that's the whole name of the game is cutting through the clutter, right? There's a lot of it. And, yes, uh, there's. it's very difficult to stand out here. I mean, look, you've been here, you know, what? You know, yeah. the things that stand out in other places don't stand out here. You know, you dye your hair yeah. purple and, walk, you know, walk down the street in New York, no one's going to look at you. They're not going to think, well, that's that's something special or weird, you know. So, mm-hmm. yes, it, it's it's just like in, the, you know, the greater music business, you know, the, yeah. uh, the these days it's so democratic, you know, that anybody that has a Mac can, can go make an album and they can put it on iTunes and Spotify. That's the good news. Mm-hmm. But it's also the bad news because that means anybody that has a Mac can make an album, which means there's Whether a lot of bad albums not. made. Yeah. yeah. And there's a that's, lot that's, of clutter to cut through. And that's, that's the challenge for anybody that's trying to be, do real stuff. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And I know in, in what we do, you know, I, I was speaking with a, with a press agent uh, just recently about this. You get so much material every day that if you just yeah. listen to, I, I could literally never go back and listen to the classics and just listen to new demos and, and bands that you know are brand new all day long. And it's hard yeah. to know who to take the time to listen to. You know, if you give it a few, and you literally end up giving bands a few seconds, right? And it's, you know, you feel guilty about it because you know, in our era, you know. If you had a CD, you were going to listen to the whole damn thing because you only yeah. had maybe 30 CDs. Um, yeah, and you'd listen to it from start to finish, and it would tell a story, you know, the way yeah. the artist wanted it to tell the story. You know, these days, people don't listen like that. You know, they listen to one yeah. song. They, or, they, or they, you know, it's on some sort of shuffle thing where it's all shuffled up anyway. It's what, yeah, you know. I mean, that's a great, great point. I mean, that, that might be one of the reasons I enjoyed yours so much. I, I did it old school and put it in my car, and... You know, I had to go somewhere yesterday and was, you know, like 30, 40 minute drive and put it in the car and, I'm, you know, start to finish. Take me on a, on a journey. And, and exactly. I, I love that's what, you know, the music did for me. But it's, you know, mm-hmm. so easy when it's on your phone or, you know, Spotify. I was like, oh, I'm listening to this. Oh, that puts me in the mood to listen to some old Springsteen and just jump to yeah. Springsteen. Um, yeah. Do you find, um, you know, in the style of music, I know there it seems to be a lot of musicians we speak to these days reference, you know, maybe Tom Petty or, or some of those artists of that era. Um, and maybe some of it's because he passed away that it's a little bit more cliche right now. Yeah. But um, do you find more people gravitating towards your music because of the fact that, you know, music has gotten so 
you know, Mac-oriented drum loops and things like that. That it's nice to go back and see honest to goodness musicians. Well, there are those that that will appreciate that and seek it out, and mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're very glad for them. Um, they would, you know, you got to work hard to do that these days. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, hopefully, it's worth it. Yeah, there's certainly I mean, a lot of very very bad music out there. And, yeah, and rock yeah. and roll, rock and roll music, and real rootsy, you know, thing, you know, people that are trying to tell a real story are few and far between, and yeah, you know, it's yeah. just hard to, it's hard to find it. Yeah, and, and I think you, you look back at some of the great classic, you know, rock songs on on FM radio. So many of them told a story. You know, you think of Don McLean. Or, or some of those things, and that's yeah. uh, I think what really made your record stand out was that it wasn't just you know three verses and you know a chorus about a girl and move on to the next track. <laughs> right. You know, it had you know an earthiness to it. Um, you know, you you guys painted with a lot of really cool instrumentation, even you know a saxophone solo. I can't tell you the last time. Somebody dropped a band that I haven't heard before with a saxophone solo in it. You know, I was like, "This is, this is, it's so, it's almost so much of a throwback. It's refreshing, um, you know, <laughs> in a way, you know." And that's well, I appreciate you saying that. You know, yeah, because that's look, you know, we just do what we do, uh, mm-hmm. and how that's how it comes out. Um, now. Um, as far as touring, uh, you mentioned you're doing some dates in Eastern, but I mean, is it financially feasible for a band, you know, to try to break, you know, on a national tour, or you just kind of continue to play the, the same sort of demographic and sort of grow the, the perimeter of where you tour as word gets out? I think that's, that's the, that's probably the way it's done more often than not these days. Unless you you know you hook up with somebody, but you know so much of this stuff is like artists buying onto tours. You know you want to open up yeah. for somebody, you pay to do it. You pay to do it. Yeah. So, you know, finding that audience and you know building a real grassroots audience, it's it's not easy. And like it's like you said, you start with a home base and you spin out. I yeah. think that's the best way to do it. Well, I mean. And I'd say the one thing that you've certainly done that I think takes the first step, and that is making a quality, you know, quality product to listen to. You know, um, well, yeah, you, know, you got to do that. You're right. Right. At first, it's, yeah, yeah. It's not you're not changing a trend uh, in the industry. You know, it's not. Um, you know, to me, that's for sure. Screen. Yeah, you know, it's not a it's not a young woman singing country, and it's not a Americana kind of you know thing that a lot of people are jumping on. You know, this, it's got a little bit more, um, I think, substance to it, and I think that makes it really stand out. So, Dave, I want to thank you uh, for taking the time to join us. Hopefully, uh, people enjoy the music. Where would be the best place if people want either, you know, physical product? I guess everyone knows where to get a download, but if someone's, you know, after the old school physical product, where would they go? Um, I don't know. It might be on CD, baby. I'm not sure. Okay. I'm not sure. That's the sign uh, of the but- times. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. If it's not there, I don't know where. Probably on Amazon or something, I guess. I don't know. Okay. All right, Dave. Well, I want to thank you so much for your time today, man. Well, I appreciate uh, you taking the time. It was good talking with you. Sure. All right, take care. Okay, you too. Bye.
All right, that about wraps it up. A special thank you to Dave Goddess of the Dave Goddess Group. Again, their uh, EP, Last of the West Side Cowboys, is available now. Also, Joshua Gilbert of the band Household. Their newest album, Everything a River Should Be, is available now. And they will be in Pittsburgh at Mr. Small Cedar to do a show on the 13th of March. And also, uh, can't uh, thank enough Michael Shanker of the uh, legendary Michael Shanker group of UFO of the Scorpions. Uh, for coming on and doing the show. He will be in Munn Hall to do a show on March 7th. Uh, his new album, Resurrection, will be available by the time you hear this. So get out and get that and support uh, both recorded music and live music. So I want to thank you so much for listening. You can visit us at ironcityrocks.com. We are on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. Are all forward slash ironcityrocks. You can drop us an email at ironcityrocks at gmail.com. Let us know what you love about the show, what you hate about the show. Uh, guests you might be interested in hearing uh, from. Guests you don't ever want to hear from again. Uh, let us know. We appreciate any and all feedback. So until next time, most of all, we appreciate you listening. <laughs>